The women who arrive at Jesus' tomb on this fateful morning have come prepared. They've prepared spices and oils to anoint his body. They've prepared themselves mentally and emotionally for the melancholy task before them. They're prepared to weep, to mourn, to grieve after spending so long at Jesus' side hoping for the best. They're now prepared for the worst. They are not prepared for what they find. A stone rolled away, a man raised from the dead, a happy ending to this story. The very fabric of reality is stretched, expanded far beyond what any of them believed was possible. They can scarcely believe it themselves, and when they try to tell the other apostles what they've seen, no one else believes it either. Would you? A reading from Luke, chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. That these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you on this glorious day. May they be in keeping with the teachings of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Karaoke demands a certain leap of faith. If it weren't in a bar, I doubt very many people would find the courage to get up there and sing in front of a bunch of strangers. I mean, yeah, there's always someone who takes it a little too seriously and likes to show off. When I lived in New Haven, there was a guy who would show up at the local pub every Friday night in a tuxedo, hogging the stage and just living for the applause. You know, this was his moment. He was pretty good, but it was a, it was a little much. Uh, you know, most people, though, they're afraid to get out of their comfort zone. I can remember when I was courting my wife, Angela, taking her to a karaoke bar. Now, you've got to understand this about me. I love to sing. I love to sing! But I'm not great at it. 
as you can see. I can carry a tune if I am lucky, but more often than not, I just end up embarrassing myself. I used to sing in a few heavy metal bands when I was younger, and when I say a few, I really mean the same group of guys who just kept changing the name of the band, usually after some disastrous performance. We changed it after our first gig uh, at a high school basketball game where they literally pulled the plug on us in the middle of our very first song. We had to change it again after playing at a local fundraiser where we blew out the city's PA system. Of course, we couldn't have finished the show anyway because right in the middle of it, our bassist spontaneously announced that he was gonna smash his guitar, not on the ground, but on his own head. Those were the days. <laughs> karaoke, though, is a very different animal. You know, let's face it, most of the people who sing karaoke couldn't get a gig singing anywhere else. You know, it's just something you do for fun. Uh, the bar is a little lower. So in spite of my previous failures, in spite of the large crowd that was gathered at the bar that night, I felt emboldened to get up there, and uh, I dragged Angela up there with me. Now, she must have been pretty into me because, you know, there was no way I could get her up there today. I mean, after 13 years of marriage, you know, but, <laughs> but she took the plunge. And uh, we sang a duet of Billy Idol's Rebel Yell. Uh, well, I sang it, you know, somewhat badly, and, and she just sort of murmured along. Uh, and as we finished, the silence descended, and I, I waited for the customary applause, which never came. Uh, so people went back to their drinks. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> Better late than never. Well, that was the first and the last time that I ever sang karaoke. And you know, I cannot remember the last time I did something for the first time. As we get older, we fall into a routine expectations solidify. Every time the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, we grow a little more comfortable with the way things are. Most of us become so stuck in our ways, so accustomed to our responsibilities and obligations that we forget there's a world beyond them. We get so used to the imaginary walls that hem us in that we start to believe that they're real. We start to believe that we can only move in one direction, that the world can only move in one direction. Now, if you play chess, I've been teaching my son Levi how to play chess. He's six years old. I've, I've been impressed how he quickly he's picked up the mechanics. But he, he struggles a little bit with the knight because the knight is limited to a strange maneuver. While other pieces move in straight or diagonal lines, as you might expect them to, the knight can only move in a, in a sort of L-shaped pattern. It can move in any direction, but it has to move two spaces in one direction, and then it goes one space in a different direction. It creates this L-shape. And I saw a photo recently of a chessboard with only nine squares on it. And the knight was planted firmly in the center, unable to move anywhere at all. And the caption simply read, trying to get out of my comfort zone. I can't help but feel like, in many ways, the world has gotten smaller in recent years, like a chessboard that's shrunk to just a few squares, limiting our movements. 
A global pandemic kept us in our homes. Our politics have uh, been diminished uh, to toxic sound bites. Drought, inflation, and conflict shrink the world's supply of food and energy. The climate crisis continues to limit habitable regions. And the war in Europe leaves us with dwindling options. The horizon feels closer, the future more immediate. Globalization, rather than expanding the chessboard, only seems to have limited the moves that we can make. I was watching the 1976 film Network uh, recently, which foreshadowed the demise of objective journalism. And in this film, the news anchor, Howard Beale, a newsman who's sort of lost his mind uh, at the state of the world. Uh, he goes on an infamous tirade about, uh, you know, all of the world's problems on live television. And, you know, it's remarkably prescient. Um, again, this was from 1976. We know things are bad, worse than bad, he rants. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave me alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radials and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. Howard Beale goes on to tell people to get up out of their comfortable armchairs, throw open their windows, and voice their rage. That's exactly what's happening in Shanghai right now, by the way. The populace, in the midst of a zero-tolerance COVID lockdown, are not even allowed to go outside. Drones patrol the streets, reciting dystopian catchphrases. Control your soul's desire for freedom, they announce in cold, robotic voices. Do not open the windows or sing. But people are doing just that. The canyons of the city are literally echoing with the cries of people who live there, who are singing and screaming, shouting out of their windows into the void. Look, you know I'm all for common sense COVID precautions, even if I don't like them, but this situation is a little over the top. You know, people can't even go out to buy food. And, you know, I have to confess that even under lesser restrictions, I felt like I was going to lose it for a while there. At the height of COVID about two years ago, while well, I had to work from home and my kids couldn't go to school and my whole family was starting to drive each other crazy and I was stuck in a never-ending series of Zoom meetings, I wanted to scream out the window. I felt trapped. It got so bad that I literally started scratching notches into my desk to count down the days as they passed, like the count of money, Cristo marking time in his dungeon. At the absolute pinnacle of my frustration and despair, I even etched the words, well, I probably shouldn't tell you what I etched into my desk at the pinnacle of my frustration. Those 
Restrictions and lockdowns were necessary for a time, and they may be again. But how often, friends, do we lock ourselves in a small box for no good reason at all? How often do we fail to imagine larger possibilities for our lives and for our world? In his rant, Howard Beale says, I'm not going to leave you alone. And neither is Jesus. He's not going to leave us alone, trapped in these little prisons of our own design. Jesus, from the day he was born, has always invited us into a larger reality, defying our notions of what is possible. He rolls away the stone and he invites us, not into a tomb, but outside of the one that we are already in. That door that these women peer into leads to a vast expanse, a bigger reality. When Peter looks at that dizzying sight, we're told that he was amazed. I imagine he must have felt something like vertigo, as if the world had literally turned upside down. And here I am today inserting myself into the story, a strange man in dazzling white. <laughs> who says to you, why do you search for the living among the dead? Perhaps we need to take a broader view. Society, as some would have it, wants to force us to play on a rather small chessboard where the moves that we can make are limited by our race or our gender or how much money we've got in the bank. Nations want to define arbitrary borders. Some states want to dictate what our children can be or who they identify as or what they're allowed to learn or what books they're allowed to read. And individuals can't seem to imagine a tomorrow that's much different than today. But Jesus lived a more expansive life, a bigger life. He loved children. He found joy in their laughter and he welcomed them as they are as instead of trying to make them conform to some arbitrary, homogeneous standard. He surrounded himself with good friends and had dinner with people that he disagreed with. Jesus healed the sick and he challenged parochial ideas and systems that hurt people. He owned next to nothing and he was freer for it, unencumbered by all of the junk that we collect and carry. And even in death, Jesus surprises us. It's as if the knight, unable to make a move, decides to simply jump off the board and take a walk. Maybe, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we could walk with him. In her commentary on the Gospel of Luke, Reverend Larissa Kwong Abatsia considers the women who arrived at the tomb. And she writes, We open ourselves up to the unexpected as we arrive at the tomb and realize that we have to lay our own spices down, letting go of whatever we know how to do to step toward whatever is next. I was having lunch the other day at the Seven Dwarfs Diner. I love the Seven Dwarfs because it's hardly changed in the last 30 years. It's familiar, it's comfortable, 
And I don't get out of my comfort zone, my, my own little world, as often as I should. Like I said, I can't remember the last time I did something for the first time. And I was, I was uh, you know, sitting there eating the same chicken dumpling soup that they've been serving every Tuesday for three decades, and the same hamburger that I always order, reading the same bad news on my phone. And a low humming sound began to intrude on the edges of my awareness. It was coming from the other side of the room where a large group of older men had gathered for lunch. The humming swelled into a melody as they all lifted their voices in unison and began to sing right there in the middle of the restaurant. My wild Irish rose, the sweetest flower that grows. You may search everywhere, but none can compare with my wild Irish rose. They continued until the song was over and the place was silent for just a moment before everyone bursts into applause. Where can I hear you guys perform? The waitress asked them, half jokingly. Every Wednesday at the VFW Hall, one of them replied. These guys were veterans. Some of them surely had been through hell. And I can't imagine, while they were running through the jungle getting shot at 60 years ago, that they felt much like singing. I can't imagine that those young soldiers could envision a day in the distant future when they would be enjoying lunch with their friends at the Seven Dwarfs and lifting up their voices in song. No more than the women at Jesus' tomb could imagine that they'd find it empty. Perhaps our greatest failing as human beings is a lack of imagination. Our inability to take the leap of faith that hope demands. Maybe the chessboard is bigger than it seems. And maybe if God could raise Jesus from the dead, we can raise our voices in song, proclaiming, He is risen. He is risen Amen. Now, friends, as you go forth from this place today, I invite you to sing. I invite you to sing the good news in a troubled world and to share the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of the risen Christ with all you meet. That they, too, may know this joy. Amen.